Hi, everyone. Good to see you, figuratively. <laughs> that right? I'm not sure that's the right use of that word. Anyway, it's really good for you to be here. Good to have you practicing and supporting this resource. So liking and subscribing is a bodhisattva act of propagation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As always, I hope this finds you in good health and secure in our very volatile world today. We are reading the Innumerable Meanings Sutra, the prologue to the Lotus Sutra proper. I would argue that it is the Lotus Sutra as a preparatory chapter. There are preparatory chapters in the Lotus Sutra. It seems Buddhism is always divided into this preparation, elucidation, and then confirmation. What the heck was that? <laughs> My little dog is in here, so anything's likely to happen. What are you doing? Hmm? You want to hear this bell again? Hmm? Is that what you want to do? You want to hear that? Come here, little baby. Yes, your little baby. She's getting so big. Here. Let's show you to everybody so you can say hi. Here she is. That's our little jewel. Remember how <laughs> just a couple months ago she was so tiny? Okay. All right, back to business. Sorry for the interlude. <sighs> yes, I love you too. Please lay down now. I'm going to go work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I may just edit that out. All right. Chapter 3, Ten Merits. At that time, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, Great Adornment, said to the Buddha again, World Honored One, the World Honored One has taught this sutra of the innumerable meanings, a wonderful, profound, and supreme great vehicle, which I would argue is the Lotus Sutra, yes? It is truly profound, profound, and profound. For what reason? In this assembly, all the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, all the four groups, right? Bhikshunis, Bhikshus, Upasakas, Upasikas, universal realms of influence, dragons, demons, kings, subjects, and all the living beings hearing this sutra of innumerable meanings, a profound and supreme great vehicle, never fail to obtain the realm of dharanis, or expedient words and phrases, right? The three laws, the four merits, and the aspiration to enlightenment. This is our practice, folks. Namo Myoho raises our, what would Nichiren call it? Seed of Buddhahood. And when we achieve the seed of Buddhahood, when we experience the seed of Buddhahood, remember the lotus flower, Renge? Well, if the seed is there, so too is the blossom. So by chanting the seed of Buddhahood, we experience Buddhahood. This is the invocation of the Dharani of Namo Myoho Renge Kyo. Everything prior to this Lotus Sutra has been just talking about getting there. 
the jhanas, the skandhas, the, all the enumerated little aspects of the mind in the one chant, the dharani of namo myoho renge kyo, the entirety of the dharma teachings, shifts, paradigm shift, to experiencing that dharma. Not the teachings, because the teachings are just a means to an end. The goal here is the experience of Buddhahood. Yes? Is this a surprise to anyone? Right? We're not chanting to learn about it. We're not chanting to get pamphlets. Although we, we, he does talk a great deal about achieving the many, that I, because we need skillful means here in the physical world, in the mundane samsaric saha world, in this Saha world of the physical beingness, we need to use our words to communicate the valor, value, rigor, and amazement of achieving Buddhahood so that others can pursue their path to the same goal, Buddhahood, Buddhaness. Hmm? Opening that Buddha eye in the mind. which Nichiren would term Gohonzon. Opening that Buddha eye in our sentient individual minds is the Gohonzon. Don't confuse that with the mandala, right? The mandala is that perfect tool, physical tool, perfect encapsulation of the treasure tower chapter to open that eye in our minds. It should be known that this law is reasonable in its logic, unsurpassed in its worth, and protected by all the Buddhas of the three worlds. No kind of demon or heretic can break into it, nor can any wrong view of or life and death destroy it. Because it is the engine of life. It is the cosmos. You can't just obliterate the cosmos. It is happening like it or not. Your awareness of it, your experience of it, ah, that's that issue. We are momentum, my friends. We are not static. Nothing is static. Not even the concrete foundation beneath your feet is static. Everything is in inertia, momentum constantly changing for what reason because hearing it but once is to keep all the laws is in keeping with all the laws is once you know this you experience it there's nothing else to know you know everything can you hang on to it ah this is the subject of repetition and practice yes because of this Saha world and its incessant monkeys, yeah? If a living being can hear this sutra, this Myoho Renge Kyo, hmm, he will acquire a great benefit. For what reason? If he practices it sincerely, always this refrain. You can't just play at it. 
You have to get serious. Hmm? He will quickly accomplish supreme Buddhahood without fail. If a living being cannot hear it, it should be known that he loses a great opportunity, a great benefit. Hmm? He will never accomplish supreme Buddhahood even after a lapse of infinite, boundless, inconceivable asakaya kalpas. For what reason? Because he does not know the great direct way to enlightenment. He meets with many sufferings in walking steep ways. Life becomes difficult because that is the focus of your mind. Your mind in the Saha world goes samsaric, obsessed with possession ownership, identity. But that's not life. That's a strong divergence from life. World Honored One, this sutra is inconceivable to the unenlightened. World Honored One, be pleased to explain the profound and inconceivable matter of this sutra out of benevolence for all the people. World Honored One, from what place does this sutra come? For what place does it leave? At what place does it stay? Whereupon does this sutra make people quickly accomplish perfect enlightenment, having such infinite merits and inconceivable power? And I, I have a note here. The elaborate foreboding here of the latter to come statements within the Lotus Sutra proper about the difficulty to understand and even more difficult to accept this profound teaching of immediate enlightenment, right? Remember, this is the prologue. This is what's coming. At that time, the World Honored One addressed the Bodhisattva Mahasattva Great Adornment. Excellent, excellent, good sons and daughters, just so, just so. Just as you say. Good sons and daughters, I teach this sutra as profound, profound, and truly profound. For what reason? Because it makes people quickly accomplish supreme Buddhahood. Okay. We've established that, I think. Hearing it but once is keeping all the laws. It greatly benefits all the living. There is no suffering, samsara, in practicing the great direct way. It diverts you from ownership, possession, identity, and you become within the engine of life, contemporaneous being, a verb, not a noun. Good sons and daughters, you ask where this sutra comes from, where it leaves for, and where it stays. Do you listen attentively? Good sons and daughters, this sutra originally comes from the abode of all Buddhas, leaves for aspiration of all the living beings to the realization of Buddhahood, and stays at the place where all the Bodhisattvas Bodhisattvas practice. Duh. Right? I make a couple of notes here. The abode of all Buddhas is the entire cosmos, as stated earlier. Again, we continue to read in this Prologue Sutra an overview of the ideas and teachings to be enumerated throughout the Lotus Sutra's chapters. This is a key point that the Lotus Bodhisattva 
is singular in achieving. And in the insight that the Buddha mind manifests as experience within the five-foot flesh and body, blood body of human beings, quote-unquote, as Nichiren says, in the realm of form, samsara, and yet, or saha, samsara as our mind perceives it, and yet disconnected from its swirl of cravings and clinging within it. This realization of Buddhahood is a dramatic perceptive shift from samsara as the container of all experience to an open and interminable realm of constant momentum of energies of life to be witnessed with the enlightened mind and thereby converting all the lower consciousnesses to enlightened capacities, the Buddhahood within all of them, yes, of experience without trace or stasis. This is the moment-to-moment -moment reality of all phenomena. The, nine conscious, the ninth consciousness, which wraps all the others. Hmm? Good sons and daughters, this sutra comes like this, leaves like this, and stays like this. Therefore, this sutra, having such infinite merits and inconceivable powers, makes people quickly accomplish supreme Buddhahood within this bodily realm. Hmm? Let me go over those three things that may still be confusing you. Sutra comes like this, leaves like this, and stays like this. Sutra comes like this as the act of invoking our Buddhahood. Leaves like this, leaves samsara to instantiate full, perfect, complete enlightenment. Mm. And stays like this, once achieved, you conduct yourself in this physical realm, this saha world, as a bodhisattva. Maintaining that connection with the prescient moment-to-moment awareness of life. Hmm? Make sense now? Good sons and daughters, do you want to hear how this sutra has ten inconceivable merit powers? How does this change your life? How does your mind alter its perception when you experience Buddhahood? The Bodhisattva Great Adornment said, we hardly want to hear. Yeah, I imagine you would. The Buddha said, good sons and daughters. One. First, this sutra makes the unawakened Bodhisattva aspire to Buddhahood. Because the previous Bodhisattva of the lesser teachings aspired to be an arhat, or a, a fully aware able to discuss the teachings of Buddha, but the idea that they could actually instantiate Buddhahood in this lifetime, this five-foot blood, flesh and blood body, as Nichiren says, still elusive. But in the Lotus Sutra, that shifts. This is that subtle difference, profound, profound, and profound difference between the prior Bodhisattva teaching and the Lotus Bodhisattva teaching. Do you see the division now? Mm. 
makes a merciless one raise the mind of mercy, makes a homicidal one raise the mind of a great compassion, makes a jealous one raise the mind of joy, makes an attached one raise the mind of detachment, makes a miserly one raise the mind of donation, makes an arrogant one raise the mind of keeping the comportments, makes an irascible one raise the mind of perseverance, makes an indolent one raise the mind of assiduity, makes a distracted one raise the mind of meditation, concentration, makes an ignorant one raise the mind of wisdom, makes one who lacks concern for saving others raise the mind of saving others, or liberating others, really, I should probably change that, makes one who commits the ten deluded and malicious raise the mind of the ten virtues, makes one who wishes for existence aspire to the mind of non-existence, because that's about identification, not actually existing, yeah? makes one who has an inclination toward apostasy build the mind of non-retrogression, makes one who commits defiled acts raise the mind of undefilement, and makes one who suffers delusions raise the mind of detachment. Because delusion only comes from attachment, possession, identification. Yeah. Good sons and daughters, this is called the first inconceivable merit power of this sutra. All of that. It's really all about the same one thing, isn't it? The letting go, the profound letting go of our identification with Saha, the Saha world. That disease is samsara, a condition of mind. A note here, an explicit description of results of enlightened influence of karmic momentum via the actions of thought, speech, and or body within the 3,000 realms in a single thought moment of life. As in Nietzsche's doctrines explored and examined from Zhe, Zanran, and Saicho to Nietzsche. Some would call this the changing of karma. Is it? But more to the point, it is the influence and mollifying of repercussions of karma. Should I talk about that for a moment? Maybe I should add it to the book. I have written many things about karma. Maybe at this point in our discourse, it would be helpful to understand that freight train of karma. I think what spawned this thought is I keep seeing these videos pop up about the illusion of free will. Well, those illusions of free will are written by very clinical people. They don't seem to be able to think abstractly. Sam Harris and all. They're not stupid people. What I'm saying is, to them, they look at the equations of science, biology, excuse me, um, chemistry, and they see very defined reactions, right? You look, at, going into this, any science classroom from high school to wherever, that periodic table on the wall, the fundamental elements. Yeah, I think it's, in a way, it's kind of laughable. But all of science is built on these fundamental elements. And yet science knows 
Today, science knows that all those elements are simply mutations of energy, amalgams of mutations of energies, doing what they do due to their amalgams. As Buddhists, we've known this for 3,000 years. What they never tackle, or they're trying to tackle, put terms to via quantum fields and quantum, uh, what's the word now, fluctuations, is they refuse to identify that those fluctuations are not controlled. They are not predetermined. Once form comes of quiescence through formation and form, once form is there, then yeah, then form is form. So to them, form is form means there is no free will. You're predestined to do whatever that form says you're going to do. What Buddha tells us, much more profound, profound, and yet more profound, is that our conscious mind can intermingle with the formations, preform, preform. <laughs> so, yeah, we have very strong uh, tendencies and conditions. This is why, as I've said before, we find ourselves repeating patterns in life. Why am I always with somebody like this? Why do I always get so this in, the, in this situation? Why do I, right? We notice it. We're not ignorant. We're ignorant of Buddhism, maybe. But we're still perceiving. We see what's happening. But we do have free will, my friends. Because if we train our minds... And this is, this is the rub, because it takes effort. We have to constantly train. Because without training, we just fall into old habits. Isn't that the fact? Even a well-trained dog will, without reinforcement, go back to what they achieve, what they feel is reward. That is how they keep doing the things we train them to do, because we give them reward. Stop giving them reward and see how it doesn't take very long before they go get the ball and then just sit and play with it by themselves. No, I'm not bringing it back to you. You used to give me treats. You know, hell with you. <laughs> Your mind does the same thing. You have to continuously train it. So yeah, in that training, the 3,000 realms in a single thought moment is exactly what science has not come to yet. They're not looking at the formations. They're just looking at the product. It's a very physically materialistic-based research. But there are those who are not materialists. There are those, like Roger Penrose and others, who are getting the glimmer of consciousness from this fluctuation, this uncertain... What did Shakyamuni say? The Four Noble Truths. I keep going back to them because he's never changed his tune. Life sucks. Two, life sucks because you're attached to everything. You're forming bonds all the time. You want to stop suffering? Guess what? Cease the formations. Don't obliterate what is. That's, it's too late. It is what it is. 
obliterate the formations. Let it be what it is, but obliterate the formations. That's where your attachment, it just finds its, ah, got it, got, got that. The formations. You want to learn how to expiate the formations? What do you do? Live a, a behavioral life that conditions you to that knowledge. The Noble Eightfold Path, right? And what's part of the Noble Eightfold Path? The most important part, you could argue. Not just our Saha behavior. Our Samadhi. Our meditation. Namo Myoho Renge Kyo. Together, that lamp in the attic, that go, aha, Renge, along with being here in the Saha world, that's Bodhisattva. I mean, this tune has never changed. Just the perception of it. All right. What are we doing? Yeah, we're doing good. All right, so that's the first of the merits the opportunities, the benefit of the practice. Secondly, the inconceivable merit power of this sutra is as follows. If a living being can hear this sutra but once, you just heard it, sorry. <laughs> or only one verse and phrase, he will penetrate into a hundred thousand codas of meanings. And the law kept by him cannot be explained fully even in infinite kalpas. When you get that aha, that renge, oh, you, you could inexhaustibly talk about what you just got and still have much to say. <laughs> That's the limitation of language, isn't it? For what reason? It is because this sutra has innumerable meanings. This sutra has innumerable meanings. Doesn't that also validate the point I keep making that the innumerable meanings sutra is just a convenient name to lay on top of these preparatory prologue chapters of the Lotus Sutra itself? Hmm? Another note from your favorite bald guy. Innumerable meanings for individual people's capacities or experience to be studied by bodhisattva mahasattvas for the purpose of skillful means or expedient devices. As Shakyamuni enumerates for the practice of the lotus bodhisattvas to propagate the true teachings of full and perfect attainment of the Buddha eye, what later Nichiren would term the Gohonzon. Attainment shifting experience from samsara to Buddha. Liberation in this lifetime. Hmm? Good sons and daughters, suppose that from one seed, a hundred thousand myriad seeds grow. From each of a hundred thousand myriad seeds, another hundred thousand myriad seeds grow. And in such a progression, seeds increase to an unlimited extent. Uh, here we go again incalculable, unknowable, let's break their linear idea of time and accrual. This sutra is like this. 
From one law, a hundred thousand meanings grow. From each of a hundred thousand meanings, a hundred thousand myriad meanings grow. And in such a process, meanings increase to an unlimited and boundless extent, such being the case. This sutra is called Innumerable Meanings. Good sons and daughters, this is the second inconceivable merit power of this sutra. Here we go again. Here, here is one source of the term seed of Buddhahood and the analogy of the renge or lotus flower that seeds in the same moment as it blossoms. Nichiren attributes this action embodied in the chanting of the title of the sutra and the daimoku of our intent and attitude to invoke it. Never forget that. It's not just simply mouthing the words. It's with intent. Right? What did the Shakyamuni say? Nietzsche says it all the time. Single-mindedly. Good sons and daughters. Thirdly, the third of the ten merits. The inconceivable merit power of this sutra is as follows. If a living being can hear this sutra but once, or only one verse and phrase, he will penetrate into a hundred thousand myriad codas of meanings. After that, his delusions even though existent, will become as if non-existent. In other words, they'll become transparent. They will no longer hold you. He will not be seized with fear. Though he moves between birth and death, the moment-to-moment instantiations of the cycle of birth, death, rebirth, death, rebirth, death, and he will raise the mind of compassion for all the living and obtain the spirit of bravery to obey all the laws, to stay within it, to stay immersed in the engine of life, not be distracted, detracted by the monkeys. They're all there chanting aloud, but now it's just a distant little song. It's kind of entertaining. Instead of seizing upon your very cellular being, A powerful wrestler can shoulder and hold any heavy thing. The keeper of this sutra is also like this. He can shoulder the heavy treasure of supreme Buddhahood and carry living beings on his back out of the way of birth and death. I mean, this is so clear as I read it. It's it's almost painful for me to know that there are people who read this sutra and they just... He will be able to relieve others even though he cannot yet relieve himself. Because you're still in the Saha world, you're a Bodhisattva. But you know what the relief looks like, tastes like, experiences like. How do you share that with others? They have to come to it on their own. Just as a fairy master, though he stays on this shore, owing to his serious illness and unsettled body, can be made to cross over by means of a good and solid ship that has the quality of carrying anyone without fail, so also is this with the keeper of this sutra. No matter what your condition, your life condition, this sutra is the sutra. It doesn't matter if you're not eloquent, if you're not pretty, handsome, strong, because Namo Myoho Renge Kyo is all of that and more. 
So don't feel like you're not ready to tell anyone about it. However you do it, what matters is attitude and intent. Are you sincere? Or are you arrogant? Are you truthful as to your own experience? Or are you a liar? Right? These things affect the transfer of this teaching to others so that they can achieve their maximal range. Hmm. That's a tougher one, isn't it? But by chanting, this is one of the great merits. You gain that confidence. Because the confidence isn't about your samsaric physical ownership identity. It's about myoho rengekyo. The privilege of myoho rengekyo, yeah? Though he stays on this shore of ignorance, old age, and death, owing to 108 kinds of serious illness, remember the 108, it comes up a lot, these are the 108 earthly desires of the Nichiren doctrine in the beads, yeah? With which his body under the existence of all the five states is seized and ever afflicted. He can be delivered from the cycle of birth and death through practicing this strong Mahayana Sutra of innumerable meanings. As it is taught, which realizes the deliverance of living beings. Good sons and daughters, this is called the third inconceivable merit power of this sutra. Another note from yours truly. It has become clear by the rhetoric of the innumerable sutra that in its purpose as prologue is also to indicate that its title is simply a provisional adjective for the sutra for which it is written. In other words, the innumerable meanings teaching is in fact, by any other name, the actual Dharma teaching of the Lotus Sutra. The Lotus Sutra of the Wonderful Dharma is a teaching of innumerable meanings. Good sons and daughters, fourthly, and I'm going to save that for the next video. I wonder if we'll do three at a time, that number three. <laughs> I don't know, but next time we will start with the fourth, the fourth inconceivable merit power of this practice. I hope this is meaningful for you. I love sharing it with you. It reinvigors my own practice. So I hope it does the same for you. Um, thank you. Patrons. Namo Myorengeko. Bodhisattva universally worthy are you. Those of you who are buying ebooks, thank you. Print books mandalas you're all supporting this effort and growing this channel my gratitude is immeasurable <laughs> all the links in the description of course you know what to do don't forget the website the free podcasts many of you are using those that's gratifying um, take care of your health the best you can if for no other reason and I do want you to enjoy your life, to keep your practice strong. Right? Presence at the Buddha Dawn. Be part of that Treasure Tower chapter. 
Namo Myorengeko. Thank you for listening. I'll see you in the next one. As always, bye for now. Thank you.